Best Health, presented by the Royal Gazette and RG Mags, is your go-to health podcast. We connect you with the very best of Bermuda's health and wellness experts, enthusiasts and influencers, helping you get the very best from your mind and body. So go and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at the Royal Gazette and join the conversation every month. It starts right here. Hello and welcome to Owning Anxiety, the second episode in the 2022 series of the Best Health Podcast. I'm Becky Ezekiel and thank you for tuning in. Today we are so excited to welcome Dr. Darian Ray into the Sound Lounge. Dr. Ray was born and raised in Bermuda and has furthered his education and work experience across the US, the UK and Canada. He received his doctoral degree in clinical psychology from the American School of Professional Psychology in Tampa, Florida, and has extensive experience working with children, adolescents, and adults across a range of personality and behavioral difficulties. Some of these include anxiety and depression, anger management and relationship problems, and emotional complications and personality disorders. On top of that, he's received specialist training in trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy for children. Safe to say we should all be taking notes on what we're about to hear. So to help us navigate this timely theme of anxiety, Dr. Ray, welcome to the Sound Lounge and welcome to Best Health. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here today and uh, thank you for that wonderful introduction. Um, um, yeah, I, I, it's funny. No matter how many times I hear about myself, it's it's a little it's a little interesting for me to go through that process. But uh, thank you very much, and it's it's a pleasure to be here today. No, thank you very much for coming in. And your background is really interesting because you have worked and studied all over. Yeah, I, I think it's important to kind of see how um, people view mental health uh, and uh, psychology in a variety of different places. And I was just fortunate enough to be able to do that and. Um, it was certainly an eye-opener for me, um, even within the states um, and then within larger countries, how different areas view it differently as well. So it was just, I think that it's nice to have a variety of perspectives, especially being on a small island and not necessarily having a lot of um, resources around to be as uh, general as you can be in, in my scope of practice. Mm-hmm. And do you think in Bermuda, we're starting to put more of a focus on mental health and well-being? I think that it's a growing thing for sure. I think that, uh, you know, I see it on a variety of different levels that mental health is is taking more of a, a front and center stage, but I think that it has quite a bit of ways to go before um, it's more of a, a generally accepted kind of uh, approach in, in practices where it could be. Um, but I certainly think that we are moving in the right direction in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And with a background that focuses so much on mental health and mental well-being, what does best health mean to you if you think about someone's best health? Absolutely, and I think that's a a very important question, and it's a very um, fluid question because it certainly means different things for different people. But um, the first thing you know comes that comes to my mind when you think of a person's best health is to think of a good balance. Um, Oftentimes, we get stuck into our routines and our daily schedules of things that we have to do. There are so many obligations these days. Um, It's not like it was maybe ten. 
15 years ago mm-hmm. where there was just, you know, there were still things you had to do. It just felt like that you had to, you had less crammed in a day. And uh, because of that, uh, we sometimes do not balance our lives out because we feel we don't have the time or the resources or there's just too much on our plate uh, in order to do so. So when I think of someone's best health, best health I think of you know um, their mental health. I think of their physical health, their emotional health. Uh, I think of their social health uh, in terms of finding a balance. And I'm sure if we took a more inventory of you know our daily lives, we would say you know there are some things I wish I could have more time doing, or there are these um, gaps in my life that I'm not really sure how to fill them because you know, I feel like I don't have time to myself uh, enough, but even if I get time to myself, I'm not even really sure what I would do with it. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, you know, these kinds of things create problems for people because you know, I know that one of the things we're gonna be talking about is anxiety. Uh, and when I think of who tends to kind of fare best in these kinds of situations where you know, we become more stressed and we become more anxious, is people that have a good um, bank of coping skills um, and strategies. And, and, you know, for some people, we use the co- term coping as coping skills and strategies. We think like intentional strategies to help us deal with anxiety. But a lot of times a coping skill is more like a protective factor that we do as part of our daily life anyway that helps ward off anxiety. Mm-hmm. Take exercise, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that exercise, you know, helps with anxiety, helps manage uh, stress levels and mental health in a lot of different ways. But it doesn't have to be the only time, you, it doesn't have to be something that you only do when you're anxious. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's certainly something that we should do and build into our lives regularly so that when we get anxious or when we get stressed, we already have things built into our system that don't require extra work. When I work with people who are anxious and they don't have a lot of things in their lives like that, like they work all day so they haven't seen their friends in a couple months and they don't really know how to reintroduce themselves in that sphere or they used to play volleyball or, or, or football out in the yard on Sundays with their friends or, or on a club, but they haven't done that either because they just don't have the time or um, because of restrictions. Then, you know, it's kind of like having a table with really only one leg. You know, mm-hmm. when you have a table, one leg, once that leg breaks, you, you know, the table is pretty useless. You know, mm-hmm. we, we want to kind of build things around that to support it in ways. So when one leg is a little bit impaired or the integrity of it is not what it needs to be, we still have three legs holding us up and we can make do until we fix that leg. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, you know, I mean, a lot of times we talk about coping skills and I know that there's been a lot of discussions on this, especially with the advent of COVID-19 and how it's done, uh, what it's done for our, our, our lives. Uh, but when we are, there's a saying, and I don't even remember where I heard it. When we are, um, when we have a toothache, mm. right, that's all we can think about. This toothache hurts oh, God, yeah. terribly, right? We can't function. We can't talk sometimes. We can't even think. And then one day we go to the doctor and we get our toothache fixed and we come out of that and we're like, oh, thank goodness. And before we know it, we're back into our routine, back into our grind, and we've forgotten all the fact that we've had a toothache. Mm-hmm. And maybe or maybe we don't take the best care of our teeth, which got us there, and maybe we forget that that was the thing in the first place then we go back to the same strategies we went back to before Mm -hmm. which didn't include brushing our teeth on a regular basis and here we are 
you know, six months later with a different toothache. So yeah. I think we have to be mindful that when things are going well, when it's not, and well may be a, a, a variable, um, it's an objective term. Maybe it's not well, but it's okay, mm -hmm. you know. Um, this isn't the time where we drop our coping, quote-unquote coping skills. Mm -hmm. This isn't the time where we don't worry about our balance. This is the time when we worry about our balance because it's easier for us to create a balance, to create a schedule around things that are, you know, uh, going to be more difficult to start once we become stressed out or anxious uh, because it's not part of our routine. Mm -hmm. So I know it's kind of a, a roundabout question, a roundabout way of answering your question, but in terms of your better health, we want to have a good balance. We want to have a good, in order to have a good balance, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to have a good balance. You have to have good routines. You have to have good, uh, a good system for yourself. And you won't create a good system when you're stressed out. Mm -hmm. You have to create a good system when you're not stressed out and have the ability to kind of think about this and, and, and plan out accordingly so that you can have your best health um, even when the stress comes. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of more of a preventative approach. So maybe take stock of what's going on because like you said at the moment, everyone's feeling pressures from all over the place. Anxiety is, I mean, would you say it's fair to say that most people would have experienced some kind of anxiety, particularly in the last 24 months? I would say that we would certainly experience a level of stress. Mm -hmm. um, and, and sometimes that stress comes out in the form of anxiety. Other people may say we don't necessarily see it as anxiety. They may see it as anger. They may see it as sadness. Um, we all have our default emotions, default negative emotions. For example, for men, many men, anxiety isn't the default um, external emotion. It's, it's anger. It's frustration because um, it's for many men, it's more socially acceptable to be anxious, to be angry okay. than it is to be anxious. And so instead of being anxious or appearing anxious, they'll lash out, right? And um, that doesn't mean it's every man. Uh, all men are like that. It mm -hmm. just means that sometimes the anxiety is masked by other feelings that we see, but, uh, you know, and, and that's, what, that's what's seen on the outside. So... Would I say that everybody's experienced some level of anxiety um, over the past 24 months? Absolutely. Is it, is it partly due to COVID? Probably. But we may not exactly experience it as anxiety. We may experience it as frustration. We may experience it as um, sadness. And, you know, to be honest, and I've said this before, uh, we're, we're going through, we're going through a, a phase of grief right now as, as a people, right? And, and as a, as a, population of the world we're 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 going through a, a grieving process where we're kind of grieving the life we had before right many of us look back and think and get stuck in that area and and and, and they go through a process of, of 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 asking why and being angry and getting frustrated and coming to a place of acceptance um, that's very much similar to what people go through when they grieve the loss of a loved one or something else that's gone um, uh, lost from their lives. And so, you know, I, while I feel like some of us, many of us are, are coming to a place where we're in an acceptance period, it's still a, a, a grieving process. Mm -hmm. And we kind of have to be mindful of that. that we're, and in that sense, we are under a stress as a population, for sure. Mm -hmm. I just want to go back to something you said about um, anxiety and everyone experiencing it, but maybe it's showing in different ways. 
if we go back to just a very basic understanding, what is anxiety? What's actually happening in our bodies when we're when we're feeling anxiety? Sure, that's a great question. And I think it's important to have an awareness of that. And and so to 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 be to be uh, general and and um, uh, over uh, an overall view. Well, anxiety is kind of a physiological and psychological response to what is perceived to be a threat or a danger. Right? If you go back long enough, um, we when we would get anxious when we were going through the forest or jungle or whatever, and we would see two glaring eyes looking at us peering through the moonlight, mm-hmm. right? And, and and that that would create an anxiety response in us that would heighten our arousal, heighten our senses. Our pupils would constrict, letting us see better at night. Yeah. And um, and um, we would be more able to respond to a perceived threat and we would run faster than we probably ever run before. We would ignore the back pain that we had a day or two or, or still kind of existing for us. And we would be able to, uh, and the point of that is to survive, mm-hmm. right? Um, even today, if you're crossing the street and uh, you hear a beep, your anxiety kicks in, you respond faster than you've ever responded, you cross that road faster than you've ever responded or jump back faster than you've ever responded. And despite the fact that you may have been in some pain before, because that's the other thing it does, it nulls any kind of pain Mm -hmm. so that you can get yourself out of there faster despite anything else that may have been going on in your body. Now, that is a reactive response that keeps you alive right? Mm-hmm. A reactive response that keeps you alive. And, and I want you to understand that because anxiety helps us survive. Mm-hmm. It is not a bad emotion. The problem is, is that just like salt, it gets overused and then we have problems of high blood pressure, right? Mm-hmm. When you stay anxious, when you stay in that space for too long because you're perceived threat or danger isn't something like a car beeping or a tiger staring at you through the trees. You stay in this constant state of stress and your body and your brain gets used to that. Mm -hmm. So so much so that it's even though it's uncomfortable, it's normal. Mm -hmm. It's a state of normal for you. So and and what ends up happening is it changes your, your, your whole your whole view on life, your whole perception. Your there's a brain-body connection where if your body's always anxious, your brain always wonders about the next worry. And while some people are more anxious than others, experience certainly plays a big part in this. So, uh, needless to say, when you stay in this space, you get stuck, and then your brain just automatically starts assuming that there's dangers where there aren't necessarily dangers. Kind of like an overactive alarm system. Or when you're cooking your toast in your toaster and your alarm goes off, Mm -hmm. right, for toast. And and it's not a danger. It's just something that could be a danger, right? So in – and uh, that's why it it can go from something that's essential to our lives to something that actually becomes a problem. Mm -hmm. So we tend to think of anxiety as a bad thing. Uh But really, is it – that we just need to reframe it and see it as something that is actually kind of a positive. It's something like you said, alerts us to danger. Mm-hmm. Um, it can really, it can really help us out. Mm-hmm. What we need to do is learn to channel it in the Certainly. right way. Certainly, and I and I would I would say that, and, and I would use this for any emotion. It gives us information, right? Mm-hmm. That's what it does. 
it gives us information. It tells us something is happening that's important, right? And, and what we have to remember is they help us accomplish things that, you know, logically may not make much sense or just seem impossible. You know, there's, there are countless examples of uh, human triumph over things that didn't seem like it could be possible. Emotions allow these things to happen for us and push us. In, it's our fuel. It, it drives us. Right. But when we have to decide which direction we want to go or how we steer the car or whether or not we put the brakes on, we have to be in control of that. And sometimes it's not us. It's our emotions. Right. And our emotions cause us to think certain things that aren't necessarily true or um, or elaborated or um, minimized. Um, we get stuck in our emotional thoughts and aren't able to pull ourselves out of it, and our emotions become our reality. Mm-hmm. And, on, and in, in a lot of ways, our emotions are our reality. You should never invalidate how somebody feels, but you should also understand that how they feel may not necessarily reflect um, what everybody else's perceptions are may not reflect what actually is going to, going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I- anxiety is a good thing because it gives us information and it prepares our bodies for a perceived threat. But we then have to take that information and decide, do we want to stay in this anxiety or is this something I need to do something with? Um, I'm a big person of it, it, it makes sense to do things when you can actually do something about them. A lot of times we worry about the future or the past. We can't necessarily do anything about the past except learn from it. Mm-hmm. So if you spend lots of time worrying about the past when you can't actually do anything about it, then you're allowing your emotions to control where you are, where you were, and not necessarily think about where you are. Mm-hmm. When you're worried about the future, again, the only thing you control about the future is what you do here and now. So if you're too focused on the future, and you're too focused on the past, you're not living in the present, and that's what anxiety does for you. It, it makes any kind of actual act, activity you could do um, not change your future and just kind of almost repeat your past. That's really, really interesting. So I guess what we're saying is to be curious about what your anxiety is telling you and is there really a threat there mm-hmm. or is this really just something that I need to talk myself through and mm-hmm. I can come out the other side? Mm-hmm. Do you think that the way we live our lives now, where we all have smartphones with social media, getting notifications all the time, a lot of us have 24 news alerts on our phone, mm-hmm. do you think those things are keeping us in a heightened state of anxiety and we're finding it harder to come back to a, a safe level? I, I would say that uh, it's certainly... Uh, the ability to have information instantaneously at your fingertips makes a huge difference in our experience, and it always has. And in some ways, in a lot of ways, it's a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, you can be, you can be alerted for emergency um, right then and there if you need to go somewhere to pick up your kids or whatever the case may be. Uh, but in other cases, it, it, can, it can really kind of channel in how you view your world, right? Um, there are all sorts of new, news adverts and even things like company, bigger companies give you certain types of information that then skew your worldview if you don't necessarily do any kind of investigation yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so absolutely, I, I would say that, um, you know, we can be kind of anxious around getting that information from our phones. Uh, one of the hardest things to do is to take a step back from not just that, but a lot of other processes and kind of think about 
what it's doing to us. Um, I tell a lot of parents to be mindful about how much news they watch, especially in front of their kids, um, because it creates a worldview. Mm -hmm. They start to think that everywhere is like where you're viewing the world, um, where, what the news is saying. And the news has its own agenda sometimes with making sure that you stay glued to the television set, for example. Absolutely. Uh, and um, we, we need to be mindful of that um, and, and, and take it as information that is important, but again, limit how much we, we take that in. It would, be, it, would be, it would be silly not to watch the news and know what's going on in the world. It would be silly not to be aware of the world things, especially as an adult, so you can understand what's happening out there. But it would be, it would, you would be remiss to be focused on that so much that, again, you're not, you don't have balance because you're not focusing on your life, focusing mm -hmm. on the things you need for yourself to create a balance that we talked about earlier. Sure. And talking about that balance of um, anxiety on your mind and your body, I just wanted to talk about the connection between the mind and the body. Because often when we think about anxiety, we think about it being something to do with our mental health, but we feel it in a physical way. So we feel sick to our stomach or, or butterflies in our stomach. How linked are the two when it comes to anxiety? Oh, I would say very linked. I would say that there's a huge brain-body connection. Um, and, uh, you know, I would say that uh, many people would experience it in a variety of ways, depending, and a lot of this also depends on um, what I would call, you know, uh, habits or tendencies that you have. So for some people, they keep a lot of their stress in their head, and they know that because they feel migraines, they they ruminate, they worry about things, whereas other people keep their stress in their body and they experience it as um, shoulder um, distress or back pain or just a sick stomach. Um, there, are, there are a lot of ways that stress impacts a human being and they, they're both physical and uh, mental. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it, it just really shows the connection that the brain and body have. Mm -hmm. So if we wanted to find some practical tips to help us manage our anxiety. Mm -hmm. I came across an acronym um, when I was researching the episode and it said to take your meds, which was M-E-D-S, and that stood for meditation, exercise, diet, and sleep. Mm -hmm. And those are the four things they said can help us reduce our Anxiety. So I just wanted to touch on those a bit. I know you've already mentioned sure. exercise sure. and how good that is. Yeah, uh, and, and meditation is great. Um, and um, what I would say, and I like to kind of um, take a step back and think about why meditation is important. Meditation um, helps you by essentially resetting your systems. When your computer system comes overwhelmed with programs, you one of the best ways to kind of deal with the situ situation is just to shut it down completely, restart, now you're refreshed, right? Um, oftentimes, we anxiety keeps things in our minds constantly where we are always in a state of um, uh, f uh, exhaustion because we're thinking about things so much. Uh, meditation is designed to kind of keep all the thoughts out except for necessarily what we're doing and then sometimes that's what we need, people mean when they mean mindful um, they're just focused on what they're doing in that moment and not necessarily letting anything else intrude like in, in anxious thoughts uh, and, and thinking about it that way meditation um, doesn't have to be where you're sitting down and in, in, in a quiet room and all that kind of thing mm -hmm. it, it can very much be I mean one of my favorite times and you, you talk about this 
I love being mindful when I'm eating a good steak, for example. Okay. And I will sit there and I will enjoy my food and take my time and really taste my food and really think about how it feels and just reset everything else. Like nothing else is there. It's just me and my food. And it's, 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 it's freeing. It, it allows my system to kind of calm itself down. It allows it to just kind of um, reset, essentially. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be where you're necessarily sitting there and being quiet. And sometimes people prefer that, mm-hmm. um, and that's fine, and that's great if you can do that. But other times people need something uh, to kind of do to kind of keep themselves, <coughs> excuse me, to keep themselves busy. Um, and taking a bath, for example, is another thing people often do. But even just wading in the water, um, something where you're just you're trying to not actively but passively get everything else out of your thought process by focusing on what you're doing. Mm-hmm. If you try and actively try and get things out of your uh, mind, it's kind of like, I don't know if I might be date, dating myself a little bit here, but when they used to say, don't think about pink elephants, oh, yeah. um, and that. you you would, um, you know, whatever you do, don't think about pink elephants, mm-hmm. and that's all you would do, mm-hmm. right? And so the it's not about actively trying to take things out of your mind, but passively. And what do I mean by that? It's just go back to what you were doing and really allow yourself to enjoy and experience that process while the other stuff is just kind of there. And eventually what will happen is your mind will slowly just ignore the noise and get back to what you were doing. And this goes back to what I talked about before. Practice and repetition and schedules and all that kind of stuff help this from happening. If you've been meditating or being mindful before you're anxious, and this goes for pretty much everything on that list, mm-hmm. um, you'll be, it'll be easier to do, mm-hmm. right? So if you're always mindful every time you do something like an activity, like get a bath, then it's going to be easier for you to do that when you're anxious, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, meditation is a great reset. Um, you had said exercise. We talked about exercise. Uh, it's a great way to kind of release stress, especially for those who keep it in their um, body. I know that for me, when I experience stress, a lot of times it, it occurs in my shoulders okay. and running. And I know when I haven't run in a while, because as soon as I start feeling that in my shoulders, I, I automatically think, when was the last time I went for a run? Okay. And I say to myself, that's something that I probably need to put in my schedule soon, even if I don't necessarily feel like doing it, because otherwise... This isn't going to go away. The feeling that I have in my shoulders isn't going to go away because I know that works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's, it's great, um, you know, for mental health as well. Um, and it's just good for your physical health, even if you aren't somebody who's anxious. Um, mm-hmm. Exercise is always going to be an important part of, uh, of a person's lifestyle. Um, and it doesn't always have to be, I guess, intense exercise. You can do yoga. You yeah, do, absolutely. You know. What you, about diet? How important is what we eat? Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, you can um, exercise all you want, but if your diet isn't decent, then you're kind of getting away from a lot of different things there. Um, and, you know, uh, and it's it's about sometimes people feel like a diet um, work in short succession. And I'm not going to try and take away from anybody who's done that and be successful with that. I think that there's a place for that. But but the way I kind of view things is, is a diet's a kind of a lifestyle. You have to choose to kind of do this um, in a way that's longstanding instead of just something that you do, um, you know, for short bursts to kind of get yourself back to where you want to because then – you do that and then the, the learning doesn't stick though because what you've been doing the kind of diet is more extreme than what you'd be willing to do long term mm-hmm. um, 
t- making small changes over time for me is is important because those changes are more likely to last and stick uh, to things. Even something like don't eat after nine o'clock, mm-hmm. you know, um, or only drink water after nine. Um, you know, I'm not a dietitian. I can't tell you, you know, how to live your life, uh, but um, I'm certainly. Um, I certainly feel as though when we make these smaller changes to our diet, we certainly help um, our body take the nutrients from what we need. And you'd be surprised. The other thing I talk to a lot of my clients about is how many people don't take vitamins. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Um, remember vitamins when you were kids? Remember Flintstones? Oh, my God. You know? Yeah, I used to love those Flintstones yeah. tablets. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, we, we kind of stopped doing that after a while, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and it's, it's something, sometimes we, we, we offer it to our kids, but then we don't necessarily think, hey, you know, I could actually vit- benefit from a, a vitamin or two myself. And um, especially if, you know, um, eating in um, balanced diet throughout the day isn't as easy for me to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I always encourage um, um, people that I talk with to consider adding that to their diet, you know, talking to their doctor first if they're concerned about anything. Sure. But, um, you know, creating a balanced lifestyle like that is, is so important. And things we used to do that we no longer do and we just kind of get used to the new way or, or our, our, our way of doing things because we don't have any time to think about anything else. Mm-hmm. And then sleep. No. Uh, yeah, sleep. Uh, a lot of people with anxiety struggle with sleep. And it is, you know, the, the toughest time to kind of quiet your mind is when you are about to go to sleep because mm-hmm. there's nothing but you and your thoughts. And, um, and that's a challenge. But, um, again, creating routines around good sleep is going to be super important. Um, many people do a lot of things in their bed, um, like uh, play video games or read or watch movies or, you know, eat or things like that. Do ho- do work. You know, we're working from home. Sometimes we yeah. just work in our bed. Mm-hmm. Your body gets used to doing different things in your bed. And when it gets used to that, then you try and go to sleep and it doesn't know if you're going to sleep or if you're going to work or if you're going to play video games or what you're going to do. So to kind of uh, make that process easier by, you know, trying to limit what you do, um, uh, you know, before you go to bed and, um, and in your bed. So what I, but I would also say, you know, when you're trying to go to sleep, I, you know, I think that getting used to having a routine as you go to sleep is, is equally important, again, because if you have a routine when things are okay, it's easier to follow when you're stressed out. Mm-hmm. Um, I encourage people to visualize um, or just to kind of have a, a thought process that's kind of quiet and pleasant um, that they do on a regular basis to kind of instead of focusing on the thoughts of the day and the thoughts of the future and what's going to happen and all that kind of stuff, to think of something neutral or pleasant um, on a regular basis to the point where they get used to it, mm-hmm. you know, and then it just becomes part of their routine and their body naturally starts to do that. Sure. But if you don't get good sleep, I mean, um, it really it really takes away from your day and, and it takes away from your life, really. Mm-hmm. Um, we need sleep as human beings. We we, we we definitely need good sleep and regular sleep. Mm-hmm. And if people are trying these things at home, but they're still finding that their anxiety is, is getting too much, what kind of help is available? What would you suggest they do? Do they mm-hmm. speak to their GP? Mm-hmm. Is there someone they should 
should reach out to? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, um, I'm, I'm here to promote mental health, and I think that there are several um, providers on the island that are wonderful to reach out to. I think that um, talking to your GP who, who may have access points to people that they like to refer to, um, but even just going online and just searching for psychologists or um, counselors in Bermuda may um, uh, give you, there's a lot of providers have websites um, so that you can read their bio, learn a little bit about who they are. Um, a lot of times anxiety is difficult to deal with because, you know, there's, there's a lot going on in your life and you're trying to figure out how to balance it all and it's, you keep hitting roadblock after roadblock and sometimes it's good to have somebody who's a little bit more objective um, so that you can be um, mindful of, or, or, or so that you can feel that they are um, able to kind of balance, uh, talk to you about feeling in a, that you're in a safe space, that you're able to talk about what's going on for you and that you, it's not your mom or your, or your cousin mm-hmm. or somebody else. And there's a level of confidentiality there. Um, so certainly for those people who, who struggle with kind of figuring things out, um, mental health counselors and um, psychologists are there to um, provide assistance, but you can also go to your GP who may um, have access points there. Sure. Well, thank you very much for coming in. I think we've covered a lot about anxiety. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Anything you wanted to uh, to, to push on? Sure. That front? I, I usually like um, ending with saying, you know, one of the bravest things anybody can do is ask for help. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, talking about mental health, um, you know, reaching out for support is not an easy thing to do. Um, many of us uh, like to feel like we can handle our own problems. Um, and some of us feel like our problems aren't that big of a deal. Um, but I would say that I work with a lot of people who are very thankful that they were able to talk to somebody who was able to kind of uh, uh, hear them out in a safe space where they can be heard and we can kind of figure out um, what's, what kind of moves they can make to better themselves. And if it's issuing, if it's an issue for you, then that's all that kind of matters. And it should be something that you take seriously because it's your mental health, it's your physical health. Sure, and it's something you shouldn't be sitting alone with. There's mm-hmm. a, Absolutely. When you don't need to, there's help available. Absolutely. Oh, great. Well, thank you very much for coming yeah. in. And for all of your advice, we'll put all of your contact details in the show notes so that maybe people can reach out to you directly if, if they want some Great. Great. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you for listening. And thank you again to Dr. Ray. I think for me, the biggest takeaway here is not to wait for the stress and anxiety to come and then start thinking about creating those coping strategies and routines we talked about. I think the toothache analogy was a great one. Don't wait for tooth pain. Just put in those uh, protective measures now so you have them ready if and when that pain or anxiety does come. And some really helpful tips there on how to do that. So head over to our social media pages and let us know what you thought of today's episode at RG Mags and at The Royal Gazette on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. See you all next time.